It's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Foley is Pod, and we're back with another exciting episode with your Hall of Famer, Mr. Mick Foley. Mick, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Conrad. Uh, excited to be back in the chair, uh, bringing some more um, exciting and hopefully entertaining uh, reminiscences. Did I say that right? I- I'll count I'm going to reminisce. Reminiscences. Uh, but whatever it is that I'm it going to be doing, it's, yeah. You said it with authority the first time. That's what we're going to be doing. Yeah, I, I shouldn't have questioned my own ability. I like to say reminiscences. That word. <laughs> uh, so let's jump into it. A few weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, King of the Ring 1997 and how your career is almost starting to transition, or at least your character is, because of those sit downs that you did with Jim Ross. Uh, so now the summer of love is upon us, oh, Mick. Man. Uh, and you pretty much stated you never thought this would be a thing. In your book, you wrote, Dude Love was my fantasy creation of what a man was supposed to be. I never envisioned a freak like mankind or a weirdo like Cactus Jack to be in the cards for me. No way. As the dude, I was going to be all the things that Mick Foley never was. Rich, successful, and the recipient of more ass than a toilet seat. Whoa, whoa. That's an effective use of simile there, man. How the, about that? By the New York Times number one bestselling author. Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you're, when you're Although co- it's a very much an overused. I'm ashamed that I couldn't have thought of something. Well, it uh, works because okay. you use the language so sparingly. Okay. It works right. for you. But, but this fantasy sort of come to life. Were you still interested in portraying that character at this point in your career, or did you kind of think about the character as, well, this is kind of juvenile, but that can be fun in wrestling too? Or oh, I thought the, I thought the dude's moment had passed. You right. Know, in, in eighty, I think eighty three through eighty five or eighty three and eighty four is when we did those, um, two home movies, and he was he was I created this laid back hip cat. Um, but there's this moment in the G- Jim Ross interviews where I talk about what I wanted to do. And I wanted to, I wanted to be the guy who got the girls, the right. one who was loved. And I, then I said, it never really worked out that way, did it, Jimmy? And he said, no, it didn't. You know, so I, I originally just became Cactus Jack because I wanted the most generic, boring, uh, homogenized name you could find. Right. Until I became good enough to become dude love. But then it became clear to me that Mother Nature did not intend for me to be that way. Only one person more powerful than Mother Nature, and that's Mr. McMahon. <laughs> and Mr. McMahon decided that it was in the cards for me to be that way. And I think by portraying mankind, especially as a tortured soul, uh, that it made the revelation of dude love that much more meaningful how big of a challenge is this for you to to try to tackle yet another character you know longtime fans knew you as cactus jack we're, we've gotten really familiar and comfortable with the mankind persona and now we're going to bring out even a third persona yeah it's almost like um i mean not exactly that you were but it's like a personality disorder type situation <laughs> right it's almost yeah. like a movie like this same guy has three separate, but that has to be a, a challenge for you because you don't want to do a watered down version of one of the others. Right? Yeah. Well, um, we, we talk sometimes or quite a bit in wrestling about, uh, becoming the character. Yes. And that has its positives and negatives, especially when you don't know when to turn off that switch. 
But becoming mankind meant really trying to embrace that darkness and mm -hmm. getting into character for hours before the show because it what didn't feel like me. I had to make it feel like me. I had to find that part of myself. So I'm talking real, real deep and philosophical here. Dude Love was acting. Yes. So Dude Love was, it was fun. There wasn't a need for me to, I never had to like metamorphosize or feel like I was that guy because I was in some ways paying tribute to some of the guys uh, who came before me. Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant of course. stands out. It's funny, uh, um, Conrad, that when I first started trying to do Dude Love for Cameo, I sounded more like Dusty. Especially there's, there's a video where I was thanking people, this is before Cameo, for the uh, I Am Santa Claus donations. So uh, a certain uh, echelon got the video and the, the, the print signed by Jericho and, and CM Punk. Oddly enough, that's almost like the movie that Punk and Jericho funded because we were, we were not doing well on the fundraiser until we ordered, offered that one. Mm. So with, without those two guys signing that great 11-inch by 14-inch print, where I am officially defeating Jericho, it's official, <laughs> the referee and everything, um, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Well, we were Steer talking me back on the tracks, Conrad. Sure. So we were talking about how you're trying to get into the character, but yes, it's really yeah. acting. Yeah. And then you were talking about doing that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, that when I was doing the videos, I think I even say in one of them. I'll try to. We'll try to find one for future reference. Uh, uh, that I, I say out loud. I think I sound more like Dusty than I do. Do than I do, dude. And it took me a while to get back into it. But as we've seen on a weekly basis, you know, like I love being the dude, but it wasn't quite like hopping on a bike and, and, uh, and being that guy. Uh, I didn't have to find the character. I just had to get some reps in and then so it came back. Who do you work it out through? I mean, are you, is this something, I'm not saying this to be funny, but do you like practice mannerisms or verbiage on your wife or do you do it with Russo in the back or is Vince bringing you lines or what does it look like in that era? Well, there's a great video where you can see how uh, Russo's uh, fingerprints and also Vince's to some extent. There's, uh, he goes, Rick, I need you to strut. And I said, I was strutting. Like <laughs> that was my version of a strut. But between Russo and, and Corny off camera was real helpful, especially in getting me to embrace my inner uh, boogie-woogie man, Jimmy Valiant. Uh, that was really helpful because the laid-back hip cat that dude was in the uh, uh, Loved One movie from 84, 85, I don't think that would have translated uh, onto live microphones. It had to be a little bit more over-the-top and outlandish. As far as the actual look... I think we've seen drawings where WWE has their uh, creative services department sketch up what they thought Dude Love would look like. Did you give them any insight on that, or was that all their creation and you went with it? Well, let me say, Dude Love was basically me with uh, the same terrible haircut uh, and a cut-off T-shirt, right? Well, tie-dye. Oh, yeah. Well, and, well I knew it was going to be tie-dye. Okay. Yeah, like the, in the home movies, it was the, <laughs> it was the Paisley pajama top. I, I, I don't know why I thought pajama top spelled cool and irresistible, but it was the pajama top, which I would then go on to Maybe wear. Maybe Hugh Hefner. And, uh, Hugh, yeah. And I, it, dude had the Kleenex boxes for uh, slippers, right? Because that was a Hugh Hefnerism. Um, I later went on to use that same pajama top as like a ring vest in my first WCW run. 
Um, but it was a lot of fun. I don't, I don't remember seeing anything from Creative Services. I think it was just, here's the shirt. I think they sent me a prototype of the shirt. I said, I love it. It came out. I think I, I actually wore the original one. Uh, first one off the press I wore and then gave to a young man uh, named Chris Giordano. Uh, and the, <laughs> this isn't funny. Uh, I don't, but there is some humor in it, I think, or else I wouldn't be laughing uncomfortably. Chris is a young man with cerebral palsy. And originally we were going to try to get the shirt back from him. Uh, and I checked with Chris and his dad, and they were all for it, but WWE was concerned, or A&E &E was concerned, um, that it might look like we were putting undue pressure on a young man with cerebral palsy to get, to get back a gift I had given him a long time ago. He would have been very well compensated, but sure. uh, that's just the optics a, weren't less. It's than such a deal. centerpiece of his house, you know. Like, oh, really? Uh, they have a great wrestling room. Uh, the man cave is a wrestling room, and the dude, there's so many cool things in there. That, yeah, you guys might want to look up Chris Giordano and try to buy some of the stuff from him. He's got some really cool stuff down there. So you wind up with blue tights and white boots and the funky sunglasses and, and we're off to the races. Are you, so we talked about the strut, but the little catchphrases and stuff that he would do, is that something you just came up with? Oh, your... have mercy. I mean, that's been used a handful of times, right? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking Iceman Parsons uh, used it, but there've been others too. Yeah. Oh, have mercy. I believe, um, so I was, I mean, I, I, I was either paying tribute to or just blatantly ripping off people, depending on how you want to look at it. Sure. And then trying to find my own way in. What really made that first Dude Love uh, uh, debut pop, though, was the audience that the uh, JR interviews had uh, garnished. So that it was, it was unusual that when I came on, people did not really know what I looked like. Even when I came on with that, if you look back at that Dude Love interview from uh, Freeman Coliseum mm -hmm. in San Antonio, it's like, who the heck is this? And then I was like, Steve, oh, ow, don't you recognize me? I don't blame you for not wanting to team up with that mangled freak mankind. But you never said nothing about teaming up with the hippest Catalan. Steve, oh, it's me, Dude Love. And that's when the audience got there. Because it was... I know it sounds funny because a lot of people who listen to the show, they're well aware of that uh, who Cactus Jack was. I had a pretty good track record. But I would say 25% of the audience knew who Cactus Jack was. That's, the, that's what I estimated to be the crossover. I'm basing that on the fact that my wife and kids were able to watch the pay-per-view uh, in Chattanooga in December of 97 that I wasn't on. I was able to sit in the crowd with a baseball hat on and largely go... Uh, now, granted, I'm in the friends and family section, so you're not going to get as much attention there. But I would say that not uh, the vast majority of WWE fans had didn't know did not know what I looked like. The internet wasn't enforced. If you hadn't seen me on WCW or World Class Championship Wrestling, you didn't know what mankind looked like, and you didn't have a way to find out. I guess if you really did some digging, you could. Um, so there was this amazing feeling of accomplishment when it, the accomplishment being just how effective those interviews with Jim Ross had been because as soon as I said dude love brother 
They had to stop working Freeman Coliseum. It has no roof anymore. <laughs> roof came off the place. <laughs> You've heard Mick talk about it for years. AG1, Mick and I absolutely love AG1. We start each and every day with a simple scoop. That's it. That's all we need. One single scoop and a cup of water. And buddy, we're getting 75 different high quality ingredients. It's going to hook you up and give you all the key daily nutrients and it's going to go ahead and support everything you need, your energy, your focus, your strength, your clarity. This is just a, a no brainer to me. Think of it as like your foundational nutrition product. You know, listen, we all get busy and we wind up, well, I didn't want to do this for lunch, but I don't feel like I have an option or, well, I know I need to Dude, this is easy. Just one scoop every single day. You're making sure you're taking care of your most valuable asset. You, you cover all your bases. You're looking for better gut health. You want to boost in energy. You want to support that immune system. Maybe you hate taking pills or vitamins. Maybe you just want a supplement that tastes good. I drink mine every single morning. My wife does hers before she even does her coffee. It makes her feel unstoppable on her way to the gym. And I think it gives me more focus at work. I feel like I'm more productive and I don't have that crash in the afternoon. I feel like I'm more productive all day long. We started this back even before the pandemic started. My wife did, but when the pandemic started, man, she had me start doing it. We've done it every day since we are huge fans. I think you will be too. Even our daughters are into it. Now Morgan's actually taking some down to Tuscaloosa with her. With every single serving, you're setting yourself up for success. I just can't recommend it enough. By the way, you don't have to take our word for this. Just go look up their reviews. These cats have thousands of five-star reviews. It's the real deal. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go right now to drinkag1.com slash Foley. That's drinkag1.com slash Foley. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. Well, uh, dude, love is essentially your baby. You know, I mean, you were handed this mankind persona and, and the, the version of what they wanted you to look like, but now it feels like you've got a little more freedom. Are you excited about that? Or did you always sort of know, well, this, this isn't the destination. This is just a stop along the way. Well, when Vince called me, um, I think I may have referenced the early morning phone call. Also, given that I was in the Pensacola area, I was in Central Time. Right. So it was about 6.30 because Vince barely sleeps, right? A few hours. Uh, so Vince had probably finished his 4 30 a.m. wake-up call and called me first thing. Hey, pal. How you doing? How'd you like to be dude love? And I remember saying, just one time, he said, from now on. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had some questions about whether going 100% dude was the right thing to do. Uh, as it turns out, it, we didn't do it that way, and I think that's fortunate. Because, yeah. Especially the dude love pop has come out within the last few months, and I'm signing more of this pop than anything I've ever done before. Really? Yeah, yeah, partially because it's a good-looking signature, and it's also a great-looking pop. But it's it's like it's a departure. It, it, uh, it does the Mick Foley pop looks a lot like the Cactus Jack pop. The man, I, they're all cool. I, I, maybe I'm psychoanalyzing pops a little too deeply. But this here. one looks different. I really like it. I really like it, and I'm signing a lot of them. And uh, I believe by Vince making that call to allow me to be all three guys simultaneously, and have that great summer of love. 
drifting into the fall of love that uh, he really did me a solid. It's uh, it's fascinating to, to read your book because you said, I gulped and actually felt my body going weak at the prospect of the dude gracing a sacred WWF ring. Quote, Mick, the way I see it, dude love is going to be huge, he said. Children will love him. Fans who already love mankind will love him. And guys won't be afraid to bring their girlfriends yeah. to the matches because the dude won't threaten them. Right. He'll be a safe sex symbol. He was a safe sex symbol, yeah. What a great line, yeah. safe sex symbol. Not, I don't mean he was symbol for safe sex, but he was a sex symbol who was safe. I yeah. like it. You could fantasize about dude love. Uh, you could play that role as you know some WWE uh, employees did where they would dress up and throw undergarments into the ring. My wife was a dudette one time. She was the original dudette. Uh, it was uh, my wife and I think Julie Youngberg, uh, one of the seamstresses who were the original dudettes. And then they hired some people in Richmond. But uh, it was fun for people to play along. Um, do you think, I mean, obviously we know that this is all sort of, you know, at the end, Vince is going to make the call on a lot of these creative decisions. Yeah. And I think sometimes fans get caught up on, oh, this guy is or that guy is. But I think you and I know, well, it's usually Vince's usually final Vince, call. That's right, yeah. Um, why do you think Vince liked this character so much? Vince loved the character. <sighs> There's a part of Vince that genuinely likes to make dreams come true. Okay. There really is. So he likes to do that for his audience. I think you could argue that he puts them through an unnecessary rigor sometimes. You know, sure. like I'm not a fan of having people lose and <laughs> get embarrassed in their hometowns. Yeah, I guess he thinks you know it's good heat. I would rather have seen you know uh, uh, Charlotte, for example, go over in Charlotte and Sasha go over in. Boston instead of vice versa. It just yeah. seems like an easy way to make people happy. But at the end of the day, Vince does believe I, that that uh, I've, I've heard him say this, that his company helps make dreams come true. And he loved the idea of making this come true for me. And then he also gets to claim ownership on like giving that character a happy ending yeah. and making it his own, making it his own vision of of dude love but at this point being dude love was not a dream of yours it was when you were a kid yeah but i can't imagine uh, considering the run you were having at the time you couldn't be like thrilled to think oh here we go <laughs> but i i think the symbolism behind hey dreams can't come true that's probably the same thinking that got us like uh nikki ash a couple of years ago mm -hmm. right that yeah you want something that little kids can say hey he can do right. it i want to do it too sort of thing and now remember that the setup for dude love i think in the aftermath of the jr interviews was i believe particularly well done in creating a like a need or a reason for dude to emerge yes you go back to the stuff that mankind was doing with austin as far as needing a tag team partner and i, I think a lot of stuff gets uh you know lost by brush to the wayside mm -hmm. and i and i may have already made this analogy that the world of professional wrestling or sports entertainment can be like one of those sushi places with the conveyor belts yes where you literally just turn and you're grabbing stuff and you eat and you die but you're not really enjoying it like you otherwise might under a different circumstance 
And every once in a while, it's nice to have something that is really well prepared that you can sit down and enjoy. And I believe that the dude love transformation was one of those things you could really sit back and enjoy because I was showing up. This was like the kindest hearted version of mankind. Yes. He's coming up. He's got the sign around his, uh, his neck that says, pick me, Steve. He's fighting people off on Austin's behalf and then taking a stunner like three weeks in a row for his, uh, for his troubles. And I believe that that in my mind, when we were doing it, it was the constant rejection at mm -hmm. the hands of Steve Austin. Yes. That led to this uh, switch being flipped, which was uh, uh, me, Mick Foley, believing that I am this guy. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think the idea was that, you know, when you suspend disbelief and you watch a show, it's like this guy believes he is dude love. Right. So just to set the stage, what we discussed last was you're doing TV. Uh, you just lost to Hunter at the uh, King By of the way, Finals. Just making another appeal for uh, a friend of mine. Sure. Uh, struggling. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, this is his energy drink. Uh, what was his name again? His name's Dwayne Johnson. He's a young man I teamed with. Okay. Yeah, and we even uh, we formed a team, Rock and Sock Connection. He's largely been lost to the history. He played football back in the he day, He played right? a little football for Miami. Okay. And then he dabbled in pro. Warren Sapp took his job, and he never really did much after that, right? I think Until this. Is, oh, he's got a drink now. He's got a drink now, yeah. Okay, so, cool. So doing what I can. Warren Sapp won Super Bowls. This guy made beverages, so... Yeah. Thoughts and prayers for him I and his family. I hope it works. He's still got some potential. Yeah. See what happens next. Uh, <laughs> Can I tell you, Conrad? I sent a video to Brian Gewertz for Rock's birthday. Oh, yeah? And so Rock, he's, he, he responds with audio messages. So you're not just getting a text. You're getting the Rock's message. And I, I'm telling you, Conrad, this guy has a way with words. It just brings tears to your eyes. You know, he's like the biggest star in the world. Yes. And he's reaching out to me. You know, I mean, I granted I was his partner. You know, people can defend, make their own defense for me. But still, in my mind, he's biggest star in the world. And yeah. he's just legitimately touching stuff. He's, he's laying on me. So thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Wow, that's awesome, man. Uh, and hey, Brian's got a new book out. How about it's that? It's good. It's really good. I, I was a pre-reader. So I gave him a blurb. I read it in one day. I read it in two sittings. One day. What's great about it is I believe it works on a couple different levels. So if you were there for some of it, it's fantastic. But I laughed as hard as, as at the stuff that I wasn't there for as the stuff I did. I, I lost count of how many times I laughed out loud because Brian Gortz had a sense of humor similar to mine. Uh, I and, and I think the reason that I always felt my book and Jericho's were similar, and I'm including Gewertz and Brian Gewertz in this, is that we had the ability to recognize the enormity of the situation, but also have a wink and a nod at how surreal and ridiculous it could, it could yes. be at the same time. Yes. And so, uh, yeah, I, and Brian was right there for so many of the key moments. And he did so much, uh, the you know, work with Rock, especially in the early days, and would later go on to do a lot more and heads up one of his production companies, and the stuff with Rock and Cena, he was right there for. So it's a, it's a Edge and Christian angle, yeah, on and on and on. Yeah. yeah, it's as close as you're gonna get to the behind the scenes book that Vince McMahon will never will write. write. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So check it out, Brian's new book. Uh, everywhere you enjoy books, I picked mine up on Amazon. 
your career path is about to drastically change uh, right after King of the Ring because in Hartford, that's where Brett and Sean really get into it. Yeah. Have the backstage fight. Of course, Sean is the tag team champion at the time with Steve Austin. Sean walks out of the company claiming an unsafe work environment, and now everything has to be rewritten. So I know Dude so Love he was. walked out as tag team champion. He was ahead of his time. I've, I've heard of a story similar to that. Uh, I don't think they went on TV and made a statement, but that's a story for another time. Okay. So Dude Love was already a plan, right? You had already heard from Vince that we're thinking about doing it, but do you think Sean walking out sped it up? Yeah. Okay. I do, because I remember Corny, Jim Cornette, coming over specifically and saying, Cactus, your ship has just come in. That's the verbiage he <laughs> used. So Dude Love was being fast-tracked uh, to stardom. So when we're talking about you know the original timeline, do you know when that would have been? Would you have done it at SummerSlam? Would you have done it? I'm just wondering, when would Dude Love have popped up for the first time, do you think? Mm, yeah, if Sean hadn't left opening up that, uh, that spot. And, man, I'd have to go back. We'd have to go back and see if yeah. the... the, the uh, Tracks are being laid for the Austin dude love thing, you know, with the help me Steve and all that. I can't remember, but that would be something if that was actually uh, made possible by Sean's. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, one yeah. thing always creates another thing. I, I know. I mean, dude was already in the plans. Right, Mr. McMahon, uh, going back to Bruce Pritchard, overhearing the conversation. It's funny. I guess I'll, I'll say sometimes, Conrad. Uh, that in wrestling and in life, your big break is not necessarily one big break. It's a series of smaller breaks. Yes. Like if you imagine a, a ball peen hammer tapping away at a windshield, and it might put a couple dents here and there, but you never know when that one thing, boom, the whole yes. thing gives. Not that I'm correlating a big, I guess I am correlating a big break with a windshield breaking, but you get the idea that it's a bunch of small breaks and all of a sudden, boom, here you are. So, it wasn't necessarily the last one that did it. It was right. the accumulation. But it was certainly uh, uh, serendipitous that Bruce overheard my conversation with Sean, where Sean said, don't take this the wrong way. But, And I noted, I think at my show that you saw in Huntsville, that as a guy who's been around and written several books, no sentence ends well that begins with the words, don't take this the wrong way. Right. But it is the northern equivalent of bless his heart. Yes. Right? Okay, which means... Boy, you hadn't been down here long and you figured it out I'm already. about to bear... I lived in... I remember Pensacola, since yeah. 80, Well, since 88, when I, I lived oh, in Atlanta. Nashville, okay. uh, Dallas, uh, Alabama, and... Uh, uh, Na yeah, so Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Florida... You know, with a 20, 20 year gap where I went back to Long Island, two thousand through two thousand and twenty, but it was it was certainly serendipitous that Bruce heard that, put it in Vince's eye head that he could make this come true, and that, again the sit down interview yielded so much uh, yielded so much fruit for me. It's just crazy to think about you know the the way Bruce first hears the story. Is you talking to Sean about, no, I thought I'd be more like you, and you wind up trying to replace Sean in a tag team when he leaves. I mean, the timing, yeah, it's just... And even the finishing move, because yeah. originally I went with the Love Handle, which is a great name. Unbelievable right? name. But it's it's dude love using the mandible claw. Right. And instead, I said, I said to Vince, like, what if dude had... Uh, 
he had a finishing move that didn't appear to be all that athletic or that all that uh, effective even, you know. And I said, what if it was just a kick? And I said, instead of the, the big kick to the chin, it would be a kick to the midsection. And then Vince went, sweet shin music. And that was it. And that's why he's Vince. Knock sweet him all you want. Music. But uh, one sweet shin music is going to make up for a lot of mistakes. And, and, and decades later, Orange Cassidy would pick it up where you <laughs> left off. Who knew? <laughs> Uh, so that night you replaced Steve Austin and Brian Pillman's first big match since his return. You'd previously worked with Brian back in WCW in both of your stints. And, uh, now this is your first match with him after his home V accident, Brian Pillman, man, real innovator in the early nineties, yeah. his match with Jushin Liger people still talk about, but this is a different Brian by this point. Is it not? Yeah, it is. And it's a shame because, uh, I had a chance not only to see some of the barn burners that Brian had, especially when he and Austin teamed up as the oh, Hollywood yeah. Blondes. Fantastic. That was a case where these guys were so good that despite, and I'm not saying this was in every city, but in many cities, no matter what the advertised main event was, the last match to go on was going to be uh, Hollywood Blondes and a lot of the times against uh, Steamboat and Shane Douglas. Wow. who were another really underrated tag team. Very like that was state-of-the-art stuff. And I had some good matches, some really good matches with Brian as well. I think there was one where he, uh, I think he dove off the, the <laughs> he, he, when I say balcony, it was like uh, a small, smaller balcony, but he was definitely di diving off the stage onto me with a cross body block outside the ring. But this was a different Brian Pillman. His mobility, when you know, when you're originally flying Brian, and all of a sudden you have an accident that precludes any flying whatsoever, he's got now got a completely different style. Uh, he's got. To, I like the persona. Yeah, but it's a yeah. different wrestler. It's a different different wrestler. I can't. This is kind of telling of the match. I couldn't tell you a darn thing that happened in it. Yeah. This episode and every episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. We love talking about Blue Chew here on Folia's Pod. It's like a hot tag for your wiener. Seriously, this is for guys who are looking to put on a five-star performance. Maybe you've been living under a rock. Let me explain. Blue Chew is a unique online service. It delivers you the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Take them anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple. You'll sign up at bluechew.com. You'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. That means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversation, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And Bluetooth wants to have you have better sex. Why not discover those options at bluechew.com. Let's chew it and do it y'all. And boy, we got a special deal for our listeners. Try it. That's right. Try blue chew free. When you use our promo code Foley at checkout, just pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is Foley. You receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank blue chew for sponsoring today's podcast. Well, the build is to begin for Canadian Stampede, and you're scheduled to wrestle Triple H as Mankind. Um, why did you think it was important to keep working at Man as Mankind here and not just fully embrace the Dude Love character? Or was that part of the, 
the fun of it that you could go back and forth. I think that was part of the fun of it. I, I can't remember if I tried to discourage Vince from making uh, me full-time dude love. I, I allude to the summer of love as being it was an amazing time period. But we went to I believe, believe Kuwait, and there weren't many. Uh, it was five, six thousand people in a huge stadium, right? And so two nights in a row, and we didn't give them the show they wanted. The the length of the show wasn't what it was supposed to be, and there was a lot of money hanging in the balance. So now we had to give them a longer show, and I'm told to put in 28 minutes with, with Jim Neidhart as Dude Love. And by about the eighth time I went up to the second rope and did the little Dude Love shimmy, I just thought to myself specifically, the summer of love is over. Like a lot of the fun had been taken away. And I think by that point, we realized that there were different tiers of the Foley characters and that if Dude Love was every bit as effective as Mankind or Cactus had been, there would be no, you, no need for them to come out. So, you know, this is one of those things of th I think as we progressed, it was like, well, it makes more sense to have these characters alternate. Situationally. Yeah, situationally. And the best example of that would be um, the uh, Montreal-November 97 match that uh, Mankind had with Kane. So we necessitated the return of Mankind because dude was getting he was getting his butt kicked by Kane and he got the big choke slam on the the ramp and that was uh that was a pivotal that was a great moment for me because somebody from the crew came over to me at our next TV and went over to the ramp he said you know what that is a dent and he goes yeah it is he goes here's the thing this ramp doesn't dent <laughs> like how did you do that how did you do that uh, and so Kane had gotten some good height. I just saw a photo in the past couple of weeks. I was like, wow, I got some impressive height with his help. And we put a dent in that ramp, and that necessitated the return of Mankind, who then did the favor. So it's Kane beating the more formidable. You could argue that Cactus would have had, you know, maybe he would have stood a better chance with Kane. But clearly, you know, when you've established Mankind as being like a killer heel, that of a victory over mankind means more than a than a victory over dude love. I would agree with that. Yeah. So I'm curious, what dented the ramp? Don't say your head. Oh, it was your head. No, I. There is a secret. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I should reveal this. I, I know when I'm being bullshitted, Mr. Foley. And the secret is. Drum roll, please. I'm Mick fucking Foley. Oh, there yeah, you go. go. Come on now. That's an F bomb. Uh, worth it, relishing. Well, well yeah. worth it. <laughs> uh, you're uh, you're part of the build for this ten man, the Canadian Stampede, that main event. People, wait, still our listeners about. are still laughing. Let's give them a chance. To... I got it. Let's let it breathe. Okay. I just, you know, we, we've been talking in these several weeks about, yeah, and then I said, hey, I can break that with my head. And I thought, okay, well, after you go through the crate, what happens to <laughs> what your, happens head? your head? Never thought of that. Nah, never thought of that. <laughs> Bounce like a basketball well, off the concrete floor. Go the, back and watch Jim Ross try to interview me. 
It was just, I try to stand up, I fall back down, so I'm sitting on my butt. So it's live tape, but essentially it's live. You yeah. know, they, they don't make edits and change things around. It's live to tape, and here's Jim trying to interview a guy who not only can't stand, but then proves he can't talk. And Jim somehow makes me look more like menacing. Cactus Jack is ready. And I was sitting on my ground on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but I was ready. Canadian Stampede, what a main event. It's a 10-man. It's going to be Austin, Goldust, Shamrock, and LOD against the Hart Foundation. But, man, a lot of people felt like you were going to be in that spot, and instead it goes to Goldust, which I thought mm -hmm. was interesting. Don't get me wrong. I love that Goldust has been feuding uh, with Brian Pillman, or that's certainly the direction we're going to be going. But it did feel like, as Austin's been looking for a partner and you've been so involved in all of this, that it would have been your spot. Instead, you wound up having a really fun match with Hunter. You're brawling outside. Yeah. And, um, are you disappointed you weren't a part of that main event? I, I was not because I really enjoyed the, uh, the program with Hunter. Uh, I, I can, I don't know if I'd ever been, if you say I was considered for that role, uh, Meltzer makes, thought you would yeah, be in it. I, I don't remember being considered for it, but I would have to think that the matches that I was having as mankind on the road with Triple H were really turning some heads. It was a really, you know, the Greenwich Blue Blood before he became Triple H. You know, he's Hunter Hearst, Tumsley, Greenwich Blue Blood, and it really played well off mankind. Uh, there's this story. I, I'll leave here. I'll, I'll go to. Uh, WWE offices tomorrow to be part of the uh, A&E series on great rivalries. So I'll see Hunter and maybe we'll reminisce about this, but he remembers that I was making my comeback, right? And it was just a, a really good guy for that organic mankind turn. I say organic because he never did anything other than the, the promos with JR that ended up turning him. And so it wasn't like they'd been given uh, a, re a, you know, a reason, a turn, like, uh, like most turns have a, a reason. A yeah. few, you know, uh, this was just organic where every week we're on the road and the reactions are getting better. And Hunter remembers he's feeding my comeback. The place is coming unglued. And I, I, I drop out of character and I go, this is great. <laughs> Like, I was just so excited about the reactions we were getting every night. So I think, uh, you know, probably Vince thought that we could get some real good mileage and that he was the best guy to, uh, you know, to turn that character. Remember, the, the as great as that card was in uh, Calgary, you know, the uh, the Canadians are big baby faces there. Yep. But they're, I don't think they wanted mankind to be a heel in one country and a baby face in the other. Right. But uh, it, it, this is my long-winded way of saying, no, I was not bothered by that at all. So you wind up wrestling Bulldog on Raw, and he absolutely kills you with some chair shots yeah. at the Kobo Arena. Right. Do you remember that? I do. I remember coming back and overhearing Davey being like, I hit him as hard as anything good, you know? It's like he was putting me over for being willing to do that, you yeah. know. And at that point, I was. Uh, would you have asked for that ahead of time? Or yeah. He just, okay. Yeah, I don't think he he would have taken a liberty like that. And also, I had this knack for being able to get my hand just not talking about the ones at the top of the head, but if um, memory serves me correct, these were like the baseball swings. Okay. So you go back to Halloween Havoc with me and Vader, 
and it's like, God, he's, he's swinging as hard as he can. And it's just my, I need it on my, it's on me. The onus is on me to do this quickly. As long as I get this up here, boom. And even if most of the chair was making contact, as long as I had a few fingers up there to deflect it, it was going to be rank highly on the Foley instantaneous risk reward ratio analysis. Maybe not in the long term, but I was getting an awful lot of bang because nobody else in the business was taking the, and I'm not advocating that the younger guys in the independents start taking the no, baseball guys, swing because. We didn't know what we know now. Yeah, yeah, and there's very little margin for error there. But do, I do remember, yeah, getting leveled like that, but it was, I believe, in building to the Austin, to the dude love, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was still mankind at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. And I remember Davey putting me over, which is a big thing because he'd been such a superstar, not just for WWE, but Everywhere. in Japan, around the world, yeah. So when you were talking about the magic of, of using your hand, the placement I noticed is the idea to protect your your mouth and nose and orbital bone and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. sort of, yeah. Yeah, okay. so if there was going to be clanging, it was going to be up here, but I'll, sometimes I could deflect it, but boom. So go back if, you know, do we have the ability to oh, put yeah. the, uh, the Vader swing? And there were a bunch of those home run swings where I remember even being in the unenviable position of having to say, like, to let people know, hey, I am blocking these things. Because I think Dave Meltzer said um, on one of my TNA matches, Foley without even attempting to, uh, you know, to block it. And it's like, I did block it. And then there was, a, I think, a magazine from Germany that clearly showed in a series of photos, angle swinging at me. And it looks like I have it up there 30 seconds in advance, you know, because it's stop action. But I definitely would get that whoom right here. Uh, that worked in a way that uh, for some reason, uh, blocking the, the the overhand chair shots did not. Why do you think that is? Because it's it's one's more discreet than the other. I think so. Yeah. I think is once you go like this, it's pretty Everybody visible. Sees it. And now, why there would be any hesitation to block a chair shot that people see? Because you know the biggest stars of our era blocked chair shots. Yes. And it didn't affect their popularity at all. And, and these days, you pretty much only see it on the back. It's yeah. Like that's yeah. universally accepted. Yeah. Um, do you think there is a, a, a safe way to do chair shots to the head now in 2022 or no? Just your opinion. Not unless you're willing to block it. Not unless fans are willing to accept that human beings are going to defend themselves when they see metal objects traveling at high speeds. Did yeah. you ever hear a fan uh, like chastise you for blocking? I've never even heard of that. It was considered a badge of honor not to block it. Back in the Attitude Era, uh, part of that just dealt with getting a tip of my uh, thumb. I, I can't say it was broken because we would never go, rarely go and check out an injury like that. But Chris Adams hit me with a chair. I put up the hand and it ended up hurting my thumb. And I was like, that's a sign. I'm not meant to block these shots. And oh. then as time went by, I realized... Uh, you know, trying to find things that no one else was doing. And, uh, you know, if someone else can find footage of someone else taking a chair shot like that before me, I'll stand corrected. But I thought that was something that I brought to the table. Was, oh, yeah, for sure. So you're working with Hunter and giving China the mandible claw in the house shows around this time. What was she like in this era? Joni was great. She was great because she was just, you know, she was so eager to make a great impression 
we all liked her. Yeah. Uh, like everyone liked her. She, uh, success hadn't overwhelmed her like it later would. She was really in a comfortable space, I think, you know, protected. Uh, you had a lot of people that really warmed to her, uh, you know, nerdy, dorky sense of humor and her uh, larger-than-life laugh. She was great. She was uh, one of the guys in the best way possible. You wrestle uh, Pillman again in Des Moines, Iowa on Raw. Uh, you're going to lose when you chase Hunter and China to the back. And later that night, you uh, try to help save Austin from Brett when Hart has the figure four around the uh, post okay. uh, with the mandible claw. The idea that all of a sudden now you're not only doing stuff with Steve and you've done stuff with The Undertaker, but now Brett too. I mean, this feels like, man, you're brushing up against the absolute top stars in yeah. the whole business at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Vince had realized, especially in the aftermath of the JR interview, that I was a bankable guy. I didn't miss matches. I, I almost always came through with a good effort. Uh, matches were good. He was really happy uh, with the characters. So they were, uh, you know, they yeah, they were pushing me like uh, as a top guy. Um. Another thing that happened at Canadian Stampede, which, by the way, Meltzer gave three stars to your effort with uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Okay. You guys went 13 minutes and 14 seconds. He didn't love the finish because it was a double count out. Double brawling. count out in a cage match, right? Well, it wasn't a cage. Oh, it wasn't, oh the cage was the next SummerSlam. month. SummerSlam. Yeah. Sorry. But you're brawling all over, and it's a double count out. But what's interesting is they do something kind of fun <laughs> where... You actually show back up when Great Sasuke is wrestling Takamichinoku, and you're still brawling there, too. The idea being, there's another match going on, but these guys still aren't done fighting. So it does sort of set the precedent after you've been brawling all over. These guys need to be in a cage, yeah, so yeah. that's how we get there. But that's a nice touch, you guys brawling again during another match. Do you remember who would have brought that to you? Because that's I, a good idea. I don't. That is a good idea. I mean, I'm guessing at that time it would have been Russo bring it to me i don't know if it would have been Russo well it's genius it, it was it really is. well done hey he had a lot of good ideas he really did why do you think that the internet has been so unkind to him i don't know i don't know i mean he's got his own thing he's got his people i mean i i i, I think he sunk his teeth into the divisiveness you know because yeah. it helps create an audience uh, I'm sure there will be people who listen to Foley's pod hopefully they're in the minority or like he doesn't say anything you know that's super uh, um, negative, controversial, yeah, yeah, or negative. You know, um, but that's not who you are. That's not no, how you live your life, right? That's yeah. That would feel that would feel really fake if I did that. Yes. Uh, that, no room for fakery in this pro wrestler's life. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but probably Vince Russo would have brought that to me, and it probably would have started off with a bro. Yeah, you can't have an idea pitched to you by Russo that doesn't begin with the word bro naked mind yoga plus pilates is a brand new fitness and wellness studio owned and founded by brandy Rhodes. the physical studio in roswell georgia offers yoga and pilates reformer classes plus child care for clients all under one roof that is truly unique and it makes Naked Mind the only yoga or Pilates studio of its kind in the entire Atlanta area. For those of you who aren't local to the Atlanta area, Naked Mind has an app. You can get moving with yoga and Matt Pilates classes led by Brandy and a hand-picked group of established yoga and Pilates instructors. It's a fantastic way to try yoga and get into a new fitness and wellness program. 
Yoga is good for the mind and the body, making it one of the leading wellness practices in the world today. You can find the Naked Mind app on Apple and Android devices and enjoy $10 off your first month or retail when you use the code CONRAD10. Naked Mind plus Pilates online at NakedMindStudio.com. That's NakedMindStudio.com. Uh, the Raw After Canadian Stampede, uh, we've got you taking on Hunter, and you're going to help Steve um, by by hitting Hunter with a chair shot. But Austin still hits you with a uh, stunner afterwards. Why can't Steve crush anybody? I don't know, but the pop when he hits that stunner on you is just freaking gigantic. Why? Uh, you'd been around a lot of different... <laughs> quote unquote over baby faces before staying in WCW and well, everybody that you'd been around at this point in your career, but it does feel like Steve's reactions here are reaching another level from stuff we had seen before. Mm -hmm. Um, this is not an exaggeration to say that when I wrestled Steve, when mankind was a heel and even when Steve, Steve was a heel turning baby face. Uh, but especially after that turn had been made, that everything he did created a reaction that was bigger than anything I ever imagined. And I was I was big on the visualization, right? Like I we're up, I want to reach up here, and all of a sudden with Steve, every night you're getting farther than you ever dreamed. So uh, I was asked one time, you know, who the stiffest or snuggest competitors were and I saw you know Leon White would be number one but I think the quote was uh, you know fielding Austin's comeback punches was no day at the beach and somebody said well why did you complain and I was like I got out almost outraged I was like complain you want me to go out you know after having been in the ring getting a better response for every single thing you do than anything you ever imagined and you're going to come back and tell the guy who's responsible for that reaction to lighten up on the punches? Nah, especially if Steve never hitting the nose or the teeth. He's, you know, it was like Bret Hart called his punches the rubber mallets. That's what him and Steve were neck and neck. Shawn Michaels sent those punches in too. But um, theirs was a very, uh, you know, a style grounded in uh, snugness. <laughs> snug. I was going to stay stiff, but snug. Let's talk about something else that was fun in this era. WrestleFest is being put together for Terry Funk and Amarillo, one of his many, 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 many retirement matches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you wind up being a part of that program. And it's it's interesting to go back and look at that because all the promotions allowed talent to go work for Terry. Isn't that crazy, yeah. In the middle of this big war. Mm-hmm. I think he wrestled from memory Sabu. Sabu. Sabu, yeah. And he's of course not with WCW or WWF at the time. He's with ECW, but it somehow gets greenlit. And I don't know. I just think that's that's interesting, and it probably shows you a lot of the respect that Terry wielded in the industry, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And this is bef- this is the year before Terry's return to WWE. Now he pre Chainsaw Charlie, yeah, pre Chainsaw Charlie. Now he did come back and dabble. He was on a couple of Shotgun Saturday nights. Yes, um, but yeah, I think ter- Terry was universally respected. So when he asked for a handful of WWE guys, they got delivered. And so I, that was the only time I wrestled Sabu as Mankind, I believe. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and then I, you know, I remember sitting with Shane Douglas and watching uh, Terry and Brett, and they had a great match. And I don't know if Terry ever did 
wrestle in Amarillo. That was the Amarillo retirement. So you can go city by city. Oh, I got you. have a retirement match in every city. I have to let some folks know about that. Uh, so here it is. July 14th, San Antonio, Texas. The dude's finally going to debut as Austin's tag team partner uh, to defeat Owen and Bulldog for the vacant tag belts. Uh, from the Observer, quote, The finale saw Austin by himself facing Owen and Bulldog for the tag titles. They were having a good match, and they announced a partner would show up after the commercial break. <laughs> it turned out to be Mankind with permed hair and no mask as dude love. Austin used the stunner on Bulldog, and Love pinned him in 10 minutes of a good match. No word if they'll do a Muto Muda gimmick with Mankind and Dude Love, or if he'll just be Dude Love from this point forward. It was entertaining, although Dude Love to me doesn't seem like a character with a lot of longevity, but since it was such a spoof of a spoof of a character from another time period, much like Austin Powers, particularly with women hitting the ring and hugging him after the match. That's interesting, because I don't know that I would have immediately made that correlation, but Austin Powers was a pretty popular yeah. movie at the time, and it was sort of a throwback, so I, I get the, the crossover So there. much so that I remember at one time, Russo told me they were trying to pitch Michael Myers as like being my second. Really? For some type of big match. Um, that, yeah. Uh, I remember they showed the foot tapping. I think they showed the the white boots either walking or tapping, tapping. before as they went to commercial break. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember being on a real uh, emotional high after that uh, match. There's a there's a famous restaurant in San Antonio uh, with a crooked floor. Not sure if anyone out there has been there, but I remember eating there. Uh, after the show and just having one of those great nights where you go back. And uh, I was rooming with Al Snow, and I believe I said uh, Dude Love was like Leaf Cassidy with a push. You know, like... <laughs> oh, I love you for that. What a great line. It's a great line. You wrote in your book here, Once back from the break, the beating continued until a strange figure suddenly appeared on the huge Titantron video screen. Owls, Steve-O, the figure yelled. Looks like you could use a little help, maybe a tag team partner. At this point, the action in the ring stopped, and all the men stared in disbelief at this guy on the screen. He was dressed in a tie-dyed shirt and bandana and looked to be the figure of cool, even if his mirrored shades were slipping due to the lack of an ear to support them. The cool guy continued his mesmerizing jive talking by yelling, Now, Steve-O, I don't blame you for not wanting the tag Hold team. Hold on, let me just interrupt. Let me do that myself. Ow, Steve-O, now I don't blame you for what not not wanting to tag team with that mangled freak mankind, but you never said nothing about teaming up with the hippish Catalan. Ow, Steve-O, it's me, Dude Love, and I'm here to be your tag team partner. How close did I get? Almost word for word. Oh, man. I mean, beauty. that was excellent. That is a reason enough to get the exclusive package where you get the video, right? Because uh, for those of you listening uh, on, on just the audio, we just saw a transformation, almost defied belief, where I metamorphosized into Dude Love. In real time. Yeah, and I mean, then messed up the promo, but nonetheless cut the promo. It was, it was almost perfect, though. <laughs> I think the only line you got wrong was, instead of I'm coming to be your tag team partner, I'm coming to save the save day. Save the day, yeah. That was it, though. The day. So it, it's a big deal. Um, and now, unbelievably you've got your first championship in the company. Yeah. And I know that, you know, quote unquote, the championship shouldn't matter and whatever, but man, as a little kid, 
I'm yeah. sure when you first got into wrestling, it's cool to be the champion of something. And this is the WWF you grew up on. And this is arguably going to be the hottest star in the business. And now you and he are tag team champions. I mean, that's got to be uh, a feather in the cap, right? One more quick uh, dudeism for you. So I say, uh, when we combine forces with Texas's own homegrown Chrome Dome, Stone Cold Steve Austin. There you go. Are you keep it on. Okay, well, all right, let's do it. I'm this is a dude character. love episode. Uh, ow, daddy. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> you say, two paid models, oops, I mean dude love groupies, <laughs> couldn't take it anymore and hop the guardrail so they could get down and boogie with this safe sex symbol. Is is Colette here for one of these? Is, the, is she? Oh, no, no. Okay, so I was, Colette was not in the first. Uh, the thing is, if I start, if I'm wearing the dude love and I'm not in character. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, so Colette was um, was a week or two later. Okay. So I stand corrected. I do not know who those models were, how much they were paid, um, but, it, but it was fun. I liked uh, around that same time, around King of the Ring, they started selling those sort of goofy blue inflatable chairs, and you would... <laughs> That would be like the dude love set. So you'd come sit on it on the stage and have the ladies dance. Yeah. And you had your whole knee move. What was the little knee dance move? The, the, I call it the 23 skidoo knock knee love dance. It was just something I saw my buddy Danny Zucker do like when I was 14 or 15. And since I didn't have many moves. And you were moves, like, I'm stealing that. I'm stealing it, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure he stole it from someone. And so I saw a kid doing it on some famous video uh it got millions of views i think it may have been the kid who went up to bat did you see this at t-ball and did the big day oh it's tremendous and i think he tried to incorporate the 23 skidoo knock me love dance well it's uh it's pretty cool you would write in here I was elated backstage. Vince had single-handedly made this dream come true. It didn't matter that the dude couldn't dance a lick or that his trunks were falling down to the point he almost looked like the hippest plumber in the land. <laughs> the dude was a breath of fresh air. As Vince himself put it a week later after surveying fans' opinions, the dude makes people, quote-unquote, feel good about themselves. That's right. Isn't that it fascinating? Does. Yeah, he really, he really had an interest in it. And he, I remember him showing me... He showed me a copy of uh, the WWE magazine the Raw was on before it went to print because he just wanted me to see. The, he felt like it brought joy to people. He right. really did, and he really liked it. So whether or not it was a conscious effort to dial back the dude sightings to make each one more valuable and allow the three to you know to kind of share the uh, the bill, um, or I don't know what went into that thought process. But clearly, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, as will be evidence when Mattel comes out with the new three faces of Foley, hopefully sometime soon. Can't wait for that. Um, all in all, though, when you're headed back, you know, you're, you're away from the arena, you're on your way home with your family, you've debuted this dude love character, you've got tag team gold. Is this the highlight or one of the highlights at this point up to your WWF career? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I took so much pride in uh, the Undertaker stuff. The Undertaker stuff pre uh, pre Hell in a Cell Undertaker, and also the stuff I did with Shawn Michaels. Like I really, I really was proud of the stuff I had done. But I realized that this was a great opportunity, as evidenced by the fact that my oldest son trick or treated as Dude Love in 1997. So uh, yeah, it was. It was it worked on a couple of levels. It, you know, 
like I said, I went out of my way to make to make it evident that dude was a less, you know, he was less of a threat than the other two guys. Otherwise, there would be no need for them to come back. Uh, and it was fun. We were putting the pieces together as we went. And it was really effective. Do you think anybody else could have done the dude love character? Let me think about that. I'm sure anyone could have put some kind of stamp on it if they said we have this new character who's going to be Dude Love. It feels uniquely uh, yours to and, me. And I think it was really helped by the darkness of the Mankind character. Yes. And I don't think if there, I, if there had not been an J- interview with JR, I don't think there would have been a, a, a Dude Love at all in WWE. It's so fascinating to think. A, f- a few things had to happen. The J, you know... The Dustin Rhodes interview yep. led to the Mankind interview. Mm-hmm. And then the Sunny Days comment led to the hair fight. Right. And Sean walking out. And here you are. And all those dominoes had to fall into place just right for us to get dude love. But pretty cool story, it man. Happened. It happened. Um, what do you think Steve thought of working with the character? I mean, his character was so, you know polar opposite yeah. and, I, and i know that that's what made the the on screen i mean just the photo shoot you guys did of him being annoyed with you was tremendous i mean it, it is like an odd couple type deal yeah but did he think it brought him down because this was more of a comedy presentation or did he realize we're adding depth of character and telling a story i think it'd be the latter i think steve, first of all steve and i were good friends and i think he had a lot of respect for for me as a as a wrestler and I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't. I think he really enjoyed it, and I think Steve also realized that it was uh, temporary, and that it was fun, and that sometimes you need those little, uh, you, you know, you need those little detours to get back onto that main path. It feels like this is really the first time we saw that side of his personality, but he had so much fun, he embraced it. Because a couple of years later, he's singing Kumbaya, he's wearing little cowboy hats. I mean, there was lots of fun Did stuff that happened. Did he wear the cowboy hat, or was it Kurt? Were they both wearing the cowboy hat? You know, I don't. I know for sure Kurt was wearing little baby cowboy hats. But the point is, he was much more comfortable yeah. with comedy skits. It feels like after this, I know that he really stepped out and did funny stuff with ECW, where he dressed up like Hulk Hogan. And, <laughs> and I know once shot. you know that they mocked uh, Ric Flair as the Hollywood Blondes in WCW. Yeah. But this Stone Cold Steve Austin character, who's just middle fingers and attacking referees and chugging beer, the idea that he's able to have fun with this. Yeah. This is the first time we saw it, and I think a lot of that's because of the dude love situation. It was it was nice. In some ways, uh, it gave me a, a odd couple to bounce off of when I later teamed up with that young, uh, impressionable Dwayne Johnson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Ad-Free Shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docuseries like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and The Insiders. Plus new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. 
and you want to talk about early, you can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch alongs, Q and A's and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And Hey, when you do the first week is completely free adfreeshows.com. Had to, as we're sort of wrapping up the episode here of how dude love came to be of all your three or at this point, there's way more cause there's the commissioner and then there's just regular Mick Foley. And, but of all the personas, what, what, what group of fans identifies like what's a typical dude love super fan. If they could come and bring an eight by 10. And so like a guy like me is going to hand you a cactus Jack. Cause I was watching way back when. <laughs> Who's handing you a dude love? Because I feel like this is a character that reaches a different audience. Yeah. I'll tell you who's not handing me a dude love is The Undertaker. Correct. <laughs> Can't imagine that's his deal. He, he teamed up with dude love in one of the Middle Eastern countries. And he just felt like everything that we had done together as mankind was, it was not in keeping with what the dude brought to the table. Uh, but I, so, so pretty, it's a given the undertaker's not going to be showing up right. at my, uh, although I think it's arguably he probably wouldn't show up to, you know, be in my line as cactus or mankind either. But I would say that, um, you do, here's dude is by far the least requested of the three. Really? Unless he's. Combined with the other two, right? And you can get the three face of Foley signatures. And like I said, on the toys, he is—he's uh, taken on a new life. But at the time, it was—you know—it was a lot of. It was the women who wanted to cheer for this guy and play a part in that story. You know, the fans play a bigger part in what we do than any other fans anywhere. Um, and so they were willingly playing their role almost as if they were hired hands, you know, coming to throw undergarments at me. Um, and ki kids liked it. And from what I'm told, fans particularly in India liked the dude. Wow. I, don't, I don't know why, but I have heard that on many occasions. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah, I would have guessed women and children, but not nice to know about India. Yeah, but that's right. what I'm glad to know is whatever persona you prefer, you can get a video on Cameo, Daddy. <laughs> Cameo.com forward oh, slash Mick time? Foley. Yeah, man. Is it can that you time already? It? Let me see what we got here. Okay. Well, one day we got to go through the whole the bag of gimmicks here. All right. One day. And I've already done one where I had, oh, look, at I've got something here. Uh-oh. This is the memoir that I told you about. Oh, wow. This is the, the whole Foley family book. The Foley, uh, the dad memoir, the Foley Chronicles, the old bear looks back. Now, just first of all, just feel the quality of that cover, right? Oh, this is legit, dude. This, this is, is like something out of a library. Yeah. So, and if you go through it, you can see that there's all kinds of uh, Sharpie markings on there, highlightings, because that was supposed to be the finished product. I uh, took it on a little vacation with my son, Mickey, and as I was reading the stories, I realized, ah, oh, there were still probably a hundred little mistakes in there. 
and I didn't want to go back to the drawing boards. I had already paid for 25 copies. Uh, but I was like, I can't. I was like, I, I, on one hand, I was like, I cannot reread this book another time because when you do it on your own, there's no editor, there's no uh, copy editor. This is all you, just by yourself. It's just me and a typist. And uh, we were able to turn that in. If you look at the quality of the color photos, you know. I couldn't believe. Yeah. I mean, I expected a black and white photo, but like randomly, it almost feels like every page could be color. I mean, this you put a lot of effort in. Put this. a lot in. I, I guessed uh, Esmev between five and six hundred hours tied up in there, which is. And this is the uh, the most rare Mick Foley collectible. It is. There's only twenty five. The um, the first edition was pulverized when I said, nah, we got to go back. We have to do another 25. And so, uh, you know, there's six family members. Uh, the woman uh, who used to run Santa's Village and Becky Lynch, they're the only people who have copies of the book. And maybe for a good cause, we'll put one copy up on auction. Like, Oh, we got to do that. Maybe we'll, oh, yeah. maybe we'll do that. Okay. So let me go back to my uh, cameos here. And by the way, I want to mention, this is definitely not a plug. We're just providing a service here yes. because everybody knows somebody who's a wrestling fan <laughs> who has a birthday, an anniversary, needs a pick-me-up. And uh, whether you're looking for Mankind, you're looking for Cactus Jack, you're looking for Dude Love, they can get it all at cameo.com forward slash Mick Foley, That's right? right, yeah. And, uh, thank you. Uh, two years running. Uh, most requested athlete. And I don't, I don't know who's uh, the 2022 isn't over yet, but I'm really proud of that. And I think it's because I put, a, I put a lot into it. Well, there's no doubt you put a lot into it. I mean, uh, I think they're the most entertaining when we've seen them every week, and excited to see what we've got in store this week. And well, it has to be for. a dude love one, right? It doesn't have to be. I think it should be. It is, it is more apropos, I suppose. I think we've even got a special promo code. Is it Foley 20? Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Foley 20 for 20% uh, off, capital F, then a uh, small O-L-E-Y, 20, and it gives you 20% off. And that's, uh, well, I say exclusive to our listeners, although if word got out, there's, you know, uh, I guess you want to tell your friends, you get 20% off. All right, so let me do this thing. All right, this is an unusual. We do want to tell fans, by the way, book it on your computer, not the app. They take too much. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, all right, are you ready? We're ready. How, <laughs> Joey, your eyes deceiveth you not. This is, in fact, Jack, the hippest cat in the land. Dude, love, and my mission here is to turn that frown upside down. Uh, now, Teresa told me that you, that you are going through a tough time, and the dude would like to address that with his gift of song. It goes uh, something like this. Oh, can you feel it? Can you feel it deep down in your bones? Now, I know, my friend, oh, that times are up. That the path has been difficult, but Dude Love is here to help assuage that because you can find fun in anything you do. That's right, Daddy, so please don't look at this journey as a downward spiral, looking at it as a renewal of life. That's right, Dude Love singing about this very special occasion you are embarking on. You know the occasion, Daddy. If not, I'm going to tell you about it. Funeral. You're going to a funeral, funeral, yeah, 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 happy funeral, let's put the fun in funeral, funeral, this is not actually a real video, daddy. (laughs) 
Funeral. I dare you to not be singing that in the shower. Funeral. You're going to, to a funeral. Funeral. Let's put the fun in I funeral. Mean, <laughs> I now have a funeral song. I've never known I needed one, but now. <laughs> You set it up so legitimately. Oh, I didn't man. see it coming. Oh, thank you. We'll man. do a real one next week, all right? But uh... that, no, I mean I'm good for you just trolling us every week. Let's that was put fantastic. The in <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this was a blast. Thank you for tuning in to Folia's Pod. Uh, this was a great time. Can't wait for next week. We're going to be talking about. Cactus Jack taking on Sabu in ECW while you're the WCW Tag Team Champion. Nice. Fireworks for sure. That's uh, quite a sentence. You're the WCW Tag Team Champion oh, in ECW. I know. Here we go. Creating ta- controversy. Controversy. And allegedly that creates cash. We'll find out next week right here on Foley's Pod. Yeah. <laughs>